It's good afternoon. Uh, I'm Fiona Mountford, theatre critic of the Evening Standard, and it's my real pleasure to welcome you here to the shed for the first of these Talking Lear platforms. My guests this afternoon at the Three Sisters in the play will, I'm sure, be familiar to you from their wide-ranging work on both stage and screen. You might perhaps have seen Olivia Vinnell. Olivia, give us a wave. That's Olivia, um, who's Cordelia here um, at the National recently as Desdemona in Othello. Kate Fleetwood, who's Goneril. You might have seen here at the National in the musical London Road. And Anna Maxwell Martin, who's Regan, uh, on television over Christmas in Death Comes to Pemberley. There. <laughs> oh, no, I also. <laughs> <laughs> actresses of their generation they're an absolute treat in the play and it's a delight to have them here so welcome Thank this you. afternoon um, and just before we start perhaps we might have a show of hands if we can see who's seen the production already oh quite quite a few okay and who has got tickets to see it later on or tonight maybe oh okay all right so we'll try to make sure we don't spoil anything for you but i suspect <laughs> I suspect you might know the ending already. Um, all right, so if we can start, perhaps a question for the three of you. Um, what was your experience of King Lear, or indeed your exposure to it before you started work on it here? Had you been in it before? Did you know it well? I youngest first. Youngest <laughs> first. I had never been in it before, but I uh, had seen it a few times. Probably the Shakespeare play that I'd seen the most. Okay. Um, and uh, I remember the first time I saw it, I was on a school trip to the globe and the soldiers walked through the audience and my hair got stuck to their chain metal and ripped a big <laughs> shred of my hair out so oh, I spent the rest terrible. of the <laughs> it's quite a traumatic introduction to King Lear. Anna did you? Um, I was, I've been in it actually I did it at um, university and I played the fool I played King Lear no. <laughs> uh, I played the fool the fool mm, okay. yeah a freak fool and um, and had a great time <laughs> But I, I haven't actually ever seen it, um, okay. a proper so bona fide production. Okay, uh, I've seen it lots of times. I studied it for A-level English literature, and I think a lot of people's first experience of King Lear, uh, maybe in Warwickshire on their, on their, um, their course, uh, their first, first introduction to King Lear is through English literature. And I think it's one of those, it's interesting because a, a lot of people say, oh, it's my favourite play, it's my favourite play, because they study it in English literature. And I think when you pull it apart, um, it has, it's a different animal when you're working on something, sort of uh, on just the text and not making it for the stage. And I think it's only when you're doing it, <laughs> producing it, making it, that you realise actually it's a very tricky play. Right. Um, it's, there's loads of subplots, yes. loads of scenes. It's a very, very difficult beast to put on, and it's a bit like Hamlet. You know, you might, you might, you might get that part of the game and not that part, or whatever. It's very, very uh, full of pit stops and things, and pitfalls. Sorry, of things that can go wrong. Pit yeah. stops, yes. Well, <laughs> we have pit stops because we're not in Act Three. Um, <laughs> so that's your much chat stops. We're chat, chat stops. <laughs> internet shopping stops. We d we read it. I remember we read it at school in an after school class, and it was four afternoon sessions because we weren't doing it for A level, but it was deemed important. And for some reason, I could only go to sessions one and three out and not two and four. So for a long time, I didn't actually know how it ended. So oh. <laughs> there we go. But so did you know each other prior to this project? Oh, <laughs> seen her on the telly. Right, <laughs> <on> the <t> <laughs> 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 uh, 
Um, no, we did. Uh, I'd met. I'd met Kate at a dinner party. A dinner. Um, <laughs> but I didn't know. Our baby sister. No, no, but we have we have a friend in common, Lindsay Marshall. We're all friends, with Lindsay, and so we uh, we'd seen seen Olivia in Othello, hadn't we? And we did the fiftieth anniversary. Of course, yeah. you're all so in the gala. That's right. Yeah. So before you started rehearsals, did you have any preconceived ideas about the characters that you each played? Did you turn up on day one thinking, this is what I think, this is you know, this is where I am with it? We did a workshop a, f a few months ago with Sam. Uh, where we had a sort of little explore, tentative steps uh, kind of into the play. And, uh, and I did at that point think, oh, I think I might do it like this. <laughs> and then um, <clears throat> that all changed actually in the process of it. And for me, there was one pivotal rehearsal um, and that kind of changed my idea of the character and also meeting the guy who plays my husband, lovely Michael, um, and how... His casting and how he was playing Cornwall, and that affected how I thought I should play Regan. Kate, did you have? Um, I yeah, I didn't have preconceptions. I, I had a feeling that the character I'd be sort of thinking about was a very tight coil, if you like, and and a lot of that comes from the language. And uh, actually, I learned in the process actually with the voice um, department. We looked at the Goneril never speaks in metaphor ever. It's all. Um, it's all just examples of, or you know, she never lets her language become poetic. Right. And uh, that helped. That that was something. That was something um, I took from her connecting to the character. But yeah, I'd always had this sort of feeling that she should be this tight spring that then gets released with the Edmund thing. But the relationship, I think we all felt, we, you can't really choose the relationship that you have with your father, with King Lear, which obviously then has a huge impact on how you then play the rest of the character until you're in the room and you're with Simon and you're, with, and you're working out what that really is. Mm. So, yes, you can think, oh, I'd quite like to play her like Chris and Scott Thomas. Or, <laughs> you know, but, that, you know, unless, until you're in the room, that might not work out. Olivia, did you I don't have look like her. Did you have <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit yeah. disappointing already. But. Olivia, did you have any thoughts before um, you went into it? Well, I, I, I think I've always yeah, found with Cordelia that she can come across quite, um, yeah, she's not, even though all the action in the play kind of revolves around what she does, she isn't herself that memorable a character I found within right. the Shakespeare's women. So um, I, I didn't have any ideas of how I wanted to play her, just that I wanted to find um, or try and find the human reasons why she does what she does instead of just being an icon of, you know, goodliness and holiness and not just a kind yes. of figure of, I do this because I'm righteous. Yes. You know, what really makes her tick, so, yeah. Sure. Well, I was wondering, so, Kate and Anna, during rehearsals, did you gang up on Olivia to try yeah. and get into character? Do you take her pack lunch? Still, or? No, we, we still gang up no, on her. I do. Uh, <laughs> Anna will glad, gradually edge her off the side of the stage. <laughs> I know it's going to happen. No, they're yeah. lovely. <laughs> Yeah. Really <laughs> so, Kate, you mentioned a little bit about uh, Goneril being very coiled and very sort of uptight, and I, I'm really fascinated by the very distinct characterisations. I think those of us who've seen it, the play already, will, will be impressed by the very distinct characterisations the three of you give to the sisters. So, Kate, you're Goneril, very uptight, all pursed lips and frowns, and Anna, your Regan is a very flirty minx, much prone to strutting around in <laughs> lacy lingerie. I mean, how did you get? <laughs> how, how did, did you that get come about? <laughs> how did you get to these very distinct characteristics? Um, it's interesting Kate was talking about the language because actually um, 
we have a brilliant vo uh, voice. Um, I'm going to call it an expert um, <laughs> at the National. <laughs> and um, sh we work together. And I, actually, I realised that Regan talks in pathos all the time, so she's always trying to affect people. She's trying to make people feel things. And I just thought it was probably a kind of manipulative tool. And she's always surrounded by men. Um, and then I met Michael and we had a, this pivotal rehearsal where Michael's kind of very tough, quite mafia, and, um, and he's sort of quietly kind of quite scary and um, authoritative. And it's just started to see her slightly as a sort of gangster's mole right. type. And after she, he dies, she takes her opportunity and she's strong, but... She sort of seems to always be manipulating all the men around her. So that's where yes. the kind of sexual manipulation comes from. And then it's very difficult in play to work out, especially with Regan, why um, Leah doesn't actually ever say anything ghastly to Regan. I mean, he, he is pushed to yes. um, towards the end, but really his wrath is, um, is really mostly towards Goneril. So it's hard to work out why Regan does what she does, and I sort of tried, I didn't bother trying to work that out, because in Shakespeare, you've just got to kind of go with the flow. You know, hey, you end up blinding someone. <laughs> just um, day in the yeah. But um, I just thought maybe it, it also expressed this kind of flirty nature she has, the, the need to manipulate men, the need for men to like her, also kind of reflected this relationship she had with her father or, or non-existent relationship she had with her father. Sure. How much Not input did the three of you have into the costumes you wear? Because they're very striking. I mean, you always have a lot of input. Yeah, into you, I mean, yes. yeah, I mean, you... You're not just presented with... No, no, no you're normally no, no, told no, to no, wear... You, you, yeah. just, you have a good conversation with the designer and Sat, or the director, and the, whoever the director is at that time, and, 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 then, uh, and then obviously because of time and... And stuff, the, the designer will have made some sketches and got things moving. But, uh, but if you were to be completely, uh, that's really not how I'm imagining yes, it, then yeah. of course they'd reimagine it for you. But, um, but no, there's a quite a lot of input. I mean, I have a skirt, you ha I was going to say, you have one very striking moment with a skirt. <laughs> and a skirt and, and a Spoiler. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's... But that's how it's spoiler. My skirt, spoiler. <laughs> how relevant am I? Um, uh, and that, 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 there's a bit of business with the skirt, and that came out of the rehearsal. So I then went to the designer and said, I need to have this thing happen with my skirt. Yes. Like Buck's Fizz. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> 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 Like the Eurovision Song Contest. Yeah, yeah, yeah I could catch up. So, yeah. but, um, but I think going back to uh, what, what you were asking about the characterisation, I think you know, a lot of it came from um, once we'd worked out. I mean, Anna's absolutely right. And I, I don't think I don't believe it dogmatically, but I think that you know Shakespeare gives you what you want to know <coughs> on, on in the text. I mean, if you start unpicking it so much that you've got a massive backstory and everyone's got a backstory mm. yes. and everyone's got something, I mean, there's enough going on as it is. Um, and so I think Shakespeare's canny in the fact he lets you know what he needs you to know. Um, I think also you move away from the language very quickly if you, if start, you start to invent this. You, why would I blind someone? I must be a you know knight. You know. Yeah. I, you need I to be in the language on the moment, yeah. in the moment, and yeah. otherwise you're, you're playing too many thoughts. Right. But we we worked. I mean, obviously, I mean, I sort of thought a lot about being the eldest. I'm the I'm a, a, the youngest in my family, and I and but I but I have lots of experience with um, families with elder children, and 
and elder sisters particularly and, and, and that position of responsibility and the position of always feeling that you're the one that's mucked up and the others get the opportunity to muck up and not be responsible. And Leah is so horrible to Goneril and she, she takes on a lot of his. Mm. Um, and, and I suppose I felt that I felt that it was she was a neglected child. Yes. And that's how that's sort of feeding into a lot of how I how, how I characterise her. I appreciate Anna what you just said. We don't want to kind of build up big backstories and so on, but if we might just indulge in a little spot of extra textual speculation, <laughs> and I don't think it's the last time we'll be doing this this afternoon, could, can we conclude that these three sisters did not have a happy childhood? <laughs> <laughs> Why did Cordelia get off more lightly than the other two then? It's, it's, I mean, there's no mention of a mother in this play, well, which is a yes. really interesting... Not lots of his plays, though, isn't mm. it? Yeah. Very, they're very rarely present. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you do have to, you have to make something up that works for yourself in the situation that's going to, you know, work. And yeah. I think... For me, I just had to kind of think of it that Cordelia, I think, for me, wanted to have the love of her sisters, but she was the youngest by, you know, a bit of a way, and there's no mother around, and her father <laughs> gave her a lot of attention. <laughs> Kate and Anna by a really long way. She's about <laughs> 30 years younger than her. <laughs> so they just hate her. Look at that. Young. You choose now. <laughs> See, you choose now. It's all good. Do you There might not be four of us left on here. Come four o'clock. So okay. So you you had to kind of you wanted to create some kind of you know a little bit of info for yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to make it work for you. I mean, no one else is going to see that or pick up. Well, they might not. Well, you let the cat out the bag now. So now I tell them. Cordy is the only one who's still living with Leah. The other two have gone. Right. Yes. Yes, and I think you know what what I. I don't know, uh, there was a, was a breakthrough moment for me a while ago, or probably <laughs> the night before press or something, but um, <laughs> where, <laughs> where um, you know, if, if, if Cordelia doesn't toe the line, and, you know, then that's putting us into such a terrible position of now having to look after him, when actually right. it was always possibly assumed that he, she would always care for him. Okay. Because he says, my nursery, she will be my nursery. I will, um, I will be nursed by her. Right. Say. And uh, I think this is, I mean, it's such a big, you know, you have obedience scanted. Had you not done that, we wouldn't have to be responsible for him. And so she, that's a really big thing that she, her, her utopian ideal of love and, uh, and you know, she must always love her, her husband fully. Whereas I think, particularly, I think Goneril is a, is a, a patriot, has grown up in a patriarchal, society where she she thinks you know Albany she kowtows to all to, to you know to the responsibility of men and and their position and then of course through the latter part of this play she unfurls that but she, yeah I mean it's an interesting thing about Cordelia also being she, she's idealistic. just his favorite she is yeah. just his it's as simple as that you know that's what, what we were saying about not expanding on the text too much. He, she just is his favourite. I mean, that's and just in the language straight favorites. away, isn't it? He parents says, have favourites. Yeah. <laughs> 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 in the language straight away, <laughs> she's yes. our most adored, our yes. most, you know, she'll yes. have more, she'll have more ample than these two. It's yes. Never, you know, it's all there, you don't really need to. to 
embroider too much more. Olivia, but, Cordelia oh. makes a terrific impact at the start of the play and then she's off stage for quite <laughs> some time. <laughs> so how hours. do you stay focused or do you kind of kick back and do the crossword? Uh, it's something that I'm only trying to figure out at the moment. I haven't got into a routine or anything, but okay. you do need to... You do need to try and stay focused because, I mean, she disappears for about two hours <laughs> and it's hard to just come back in and yes. feel like you, you know so little of what's happened. I mean, Cordelia doesn't, she hasn't seen any of what's been going on. It's just been through letters yes. and that she's heard about the king and she's desperate to see him. So to have that time off stage and stay focused is hard. Um, uh, someone suggested French dancing to me. French that was Jeanette, <laughs> the voice teacher. French dancing. Um, I do some French dancing. Uh, but um, and how was that suggested? That would be particularly helpful. Just kind I of just you're moving to. I guess you marry the king of France. Yeah. That'd be I useful. Actually, yeah. No. I mean, I'm I, I'm I'm trying to practice my French and things because you know. No, genuinely, <laughs> I know it sounds it sounds silly and basic, but um, I have to do something to stay in it. And I mean, yeah. of course, of course, you're gonna go around and, you know, have a cup of tea and <laughs> <laughs> do your 15 minutes. No, What's yeah. tricky about being off stage for a long time, I sort of thought this last night, was that, is that you have to enter the scene, at, you know, it might be half an hour since the audience have been catching up with that story or whatever, and you have to not fear that the, that the audience are narratively at, at a, maybe at a, a, a heat, you know, hot moment. Right. And that you then come on, you can't just go, well, look, I've been off for a bit. Yes. Do you remember me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. You know, you have, yes. to, you have to hit the ground running, sure. assuming that the audience, are, you know, that the kettle is boiling yes. as you hit the stage. And, and if you come in slightly under, you know, thinking, yes. mm. you know, the baton gets dropped, as we call it, in Felter. Do you sense different audience reactions at different performances? Is that something that's very, oh, very... Uh, actors are famous for Oh, it's a bad audience tonight. It's a bad audience. Oh, it's a Thursday. Yeah. Oh, it's a Monday. <laughs> it's a Wednesday night Monday. audience. If they don't get the right laughs in the right places. And if they do, oh, it's a good audience tonight. Did you really feel they were with us tonight? Actors are famous for doing this. They have no rhyme or reason to it at all. But no. So you can sense each night a sort of different temperature of audience? Um, not so much in the Olivier, I don't think, because it's no. just so big. And I also, you know, we're really lucky. It's sold out. We're full of people. It's full of people who really want to be yes. there. It's sold up very yes. quickly and everyone wants to... People don't come to the theatre for three and a half hours because they want to hate it. They actually want to like it. Yes, of course. Go on a journey with all these people, so you always have to assume that. You know. Yeah, that's a good place to start from, though, isn't it? Mm. So through all your work here with Simon Russell Beale, with the other members of the company and with director Sam Mendes, what discoveries have you made about the play as a whole? Oh! oh. <laughs> There's the that's, that's thinking. That's <laughs> thinking. Um, that's thinking. Face. I think for me, one thing listening to it. <laughs> there we go. Cordelia <laughs> saves. <laughs> Save it. I got my gun out. Glad you haven't pushed her <laughs> off the end of the. Very I'm proud. <laughs> very proud. Is uh, just listening to it. Something that I had never really heard before is just how the sisters Regan and Goneril. Um, I, I, you know, I've always heard of them as kind of labelled as the evil ones, but actually how horrible he is to them. That had never really struck me before. Right. I mean, the things he says to Goneril and the way he pushes them and almost, I mean, I, I, feel, I feel at times that you just really sympathise with them, you know, they didn't expect any of this and it's thrown on them and they're having to deal with these things in the moment um, with a man who's just completely spiralling away from what they knew him to be. Yes. And um, mm. yeah, that's something that 
I've, That's, yeah, really struggled. Well, among many other things, as we all know, this play is the story of two fathers, of Lear and of Gloucester, making two sets of disastrous errors of judgment about mm. their children. And why do you think they're so quick to think the worst of Cordelia and Edgar when it's reported that until a couple of minutes previously they were extremely fond of the two of them? I mean, and they only hit upon the real truths of the situation when one is mad and the other's blind. It's because I, th I, th I think it's because, um, because the status quo is so quickly shifted. Right. You know, so control is taken away. So, uh, you know, Cordelia says nothing when she's, well, they think she's supposed to say something and, uh, and, and Gloucester is, is this, finds out that he thinks Edgar is a villain and, and no life is suddenly, all the status quo and all the control that they have or had seems to just go like that. Yes. And they respond uh, very, very quickly to well, it. It's also about vanity, isn't it? Mm. It's also about vanity. Age. Yeah. Mm. That their vanity's affronted Allows by them to think the worst of, but it's so very it's so very rapid. They don't even stop for a minute to can to get a second opinion or to. It's just instant, rash. instant, disastrously mm. rash judgment, isn't it? With for both Lear and mm. and Gloucester, it just seems so very hurtling. Well, because they're not it's used to they're not used to people saying no. Yes, yeah. So it's the the status quo is immediately shifted, and life cannot go on. Yeah, you know, it's it's finding out something that shifts every paradigm. Oh, yeah. Experience. Gloucester's reaction is also a reaction to Lear. Losing the whole it, yeah. of the state kind of um, becoming disembodied mm. and the terror and the paranoia that invokes in people. So his response, his outlandish response, is also a response to what's happened in the first scene. Yeah. Sam said sure. something interesting, I remember. He said something, it's only the people in the play that, are, that allow themselves no control that learn quickly. They right. learn. So once Glosser goes, I am blind, I cannot see, that's when he starts to learn, when he accepts. Yeah. But if you're going, no, oh, no, things can't change, things can't change. Yes. Then, and you're trying to control, as we all know in life, you know, the yeah. more you try and control things, you, you know, the more you, you slip spiral up. Spiral out, yeah. Why does Lear insist on such a very public declaration of love from his daughters at the start? Game. Game, Game. playing. We never mm. really, we'd always come back to it, wouldn't we? And uh, why is he doing this? Yeah. Why is he doing this? I mean, it's, it was sort of never... Very, very hard to answer. We've made it especially, I mean, Sam's made it especially public as well by having the 30 um, yes. supernumeraries in the room. It and doesn't have to be played like yeah. that. And the microphones, which for me really helped um, create the Cordelia that, um, you know, Sam wanted to find and that we've worked on because um, I feel like she is quite politically minded. You know, she knows Kent very well yes. and she um, is a potential leader and ruler. And so her decision to say the very active nothing is actually a political statement in front of all these people. It'd be a very different scene if it was just the, the three of them in, yes. in, in a mm. cosy household environment. So she's anti sort of, she's anti the Lear state. Yeah, the state that has become uh, how he is now. I think, you know, right. she, I, th I feel like he began as a good ruler and it spiraled out and so she just doesn't want to continue living how he rules and especially because it's on the she's about to be married yes. you know they're about to bring in her potential future husbands and she wants to assert herself as as a woman which yes. she's about to become so yeah yeah well you, olivia it's interesting you mentioned the opening and as i think whether you've seen the show or not, I think you probably might have I've read that the production is set in some kind of military state, some kind of modern military state. 
And there's a very startling opening tableau. Uh, as Olivia's just said, there's a huge semicircle of uniformed men. And then there's the three of you. You're immaculately got up in these wonderful dresses and you stand in front of them. And you all look very beautiful, but I thought that somehow you look very vulnerable in front of these massed ranks of masculinity. Mm. Well, what are your thoughts on that, that opening scene, that opening image? I, I think it was, very, uh, it was very important to Sam that they... That, um, we, they're called supernumeraries here, but they are 30 guys who um, play the, the soldiers and Leah's knights and um, all sorts of things, but they were represented properly in this production. Uh, rather than just glossing over these hundred knights he goes around with or any kind of representation of his set state, if it is some kind of military rule. Um, just for the, well, at the beginning, certainly for that reason, so that the three of them would look particularly vulnerable um, to he heighten the, the situation. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And women maybe are sort of pawns in this Well, women aren't giving a voice. They're actually, that they're, 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 their husbands are expected to speak. Mm. In the text, it is Cornwall and Albany who are expected to speak, if at all. Um, the microphones are placed in front of them, and it, it's Leah that turns out on his head and said, actually, the women can speak. So the assumption is that the women hardly ever speak in pu <clears throat> public if ever. Sure. Mm. Well, it's interesting, uh, you've touched on that, Anna. I was fascinated by the very visceral portrayal of Lear's retinue. Um, they're a large number, they're a disordered rabble, a very rowdy, beery, sort of rugby club type men. And usually productions only let us see a couple of them, if, if any at all which I think always makes it quite easy to side with Lear and feel that he's being hard yeah. done by, because he's all oh, my retinue, and you think, oh, poor Lear, no retinue. But then with, you see this absolute invasion, yeah, and it's obvious why Goneril doesn't want this lot. Nobody mm. would want Neither them in her house. Do. I think it's important, actually, Olivia made the point that it is a, it was, that was a huge realisation for me and Kate, that actually Goneril and Regan aren't being um, unreasonable. unreasonable. No. You know, they're saying, look, if you want to come and live with us, we have to look after you. Why would we look after and pay for a hundred of your entourage, essentially they're an entourage. Yes. Um, and they're menacing or not, or disruptive. Why would they put up with? Yes. That? It is unreasonable, so it's great that Sam has represented yes, them. Yes, I thought that really made me see it in a different way. And just the logistics, how would you, all these hundred men I mean, rampaging around your house? Men. changing <laughs> sheep? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even if they were completely worked out, even if they, because you often, that's a question, it's like, um, you know, that's a question, is Goneril lying, is she exaggerating? Are they, are they behaving badly? Are they debauched and boshed and deboshed and bold? But, you know, if, even if they weren't debauched and bold and they were being rushed, a hundred people yes. would be a pain in the backside, whether they were being pleasant or not. Exactly. Mm. You know, traipsing, traipsing around around every so month. Yeah, you yeah. know, <laughs> even if they're on best behaviour, it'd still be difficult on your carpet, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would be difficult. <laughs> but but so, so, okay, so we, we, I think we're siding a little bit more with Goneril and Regan at the start because we are seeing this, yes, we're certainly with the sisters. <laughs> um, but, but then, given that we think they're being a little bit more reasonable then, how is it that they slip so easily into <laughs> cruelty and, and such extreme violence? If they have got a fair point to make about this, this rabble. Cordelia knows what they are. Oh, come on. So, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's difficult in that That's first true. scene because you haven't seen any examples of just how awful they can be. But Cordelia has grown up in this house with these two sisters who I think we have to take have been really, really awful to her. Right. You know, that 
this has such a tongue that is just, you know, terrible. Mm. And her eyes always begging for more and she just wants stuff. And I think we have to take Cordelia at her honest face value word that yeah. they really are terrible. So it comes out. So right. even though he's awful, there's got to be some real torment underneath to okay. make it as bad as it is. Yeah. Okay. I think, um, so sort of it was always there and it just... Well, I yeah. think the violence comes out of the fact that in one action, Leah... Um, opens the door into hell, you know, with one action of vanity by asking us to speak and say how much we love him and by not accepting what Cordelia says. He does open the doorway to hell and the play just runs amok, it gets out of control mm. and I think that's what releases the... Mm. Yeah. Because the it's... Of terror for everyone. It's such... The, per the personal and the political are so inextricably linked aren't they because it's not just Lear giving gifts to some ungrateful daughters he's actually dividing up a kingdom yeah, yeah. so yeah, Cordelia's refusal actually five acts later ends in civil war mm, yeah yeah so that's it's a big thing so yes yeah, so and opening the doors to hell so what's, what's the most useful note that Sam Mendes gave each of you about your characters <laughs> nothing <laughs> nothing no nothing. use no. nothing 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 nothing, <laughs> nothing my lord <laughs> Um, so many. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so many. <laughs> <laughs> He's not here. So many. Uh, snuck um, in at the back. Uh, I think. Um, God, it's no, funny, isn't it? I've got, I've got lots of other things. I've lots of other things yeah. I can ask you. Uh, but it, think about that for a minute. We'll have to think about that. Think about that for a minute. Do, do, do you Sam gave me quite an interesting. I managed to think of one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, I think of one, which was quite useful. Is I, I, I often had trouble in the second act, just kind of sort of owning Regan, like getting a real. And he said you have to. And uh, as three actresses, actually, we're all quite nice. We're not, we're not nasty, kind of ambitious people. <laughs> and he did say you, you will have to put that to one side these are people of true ambition I mean it's dripping from their eyeballs you know and you have to forget your lack of ambition or right. your you know we're always so ding 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 ding, ding and really kind of <laughs> yeah kind of push tune into total ambition sure yeah. okay mm. that's do you have any lines or moments in the production that are your particular favourites each night? And conversely, are there any that you dread and you're very glad when they're over each night? <laughs> I love yeah. saying, pluck out his eye! Pluck out his eye! The one line I absolutely find very difficult to say is, and it often happens because we splice together some prose, and I mean, this sounds really pretentious. You can really tell. As an actor, when you when the text isn't flowing, and that we've had to sort of splice some lines together because you do find yourself going, oh, that's not work. That's really difficult. Right. So I might I say, uh, the best and soundest of his time hath been but rash. But now must we look to receive from his age not alone the imperfections of long and grain condition, but also the unruly waveness that infirm and choleric years bring with them. And I she hate saying so it well. every night <laughs> because we've spliced together two lines, and I she's going. <laughs> <laughs> I go, I'll go through it. Just say it really quickly with the breath. Just so those of us who are seeing the play tonight know where to look out for that comes <laughs> right in. Right in the, the top. Right in the beginning. Right, right in the, the beginning, beginning. And Anna will be going. <laughs> <laughs> when I do it, and I'm going, I did it, I did it. Anna, Olivia, do you have any particular uh, highs and lows of the evening? I find, I actually find um, 
say nothing really hard. Famous, because right. it's so, so famous, famous and it's got this pressure around it, you know, and they've both spoken and everyone knows that it's coming and, and it has to have that pause before it. Do it like, do, do an accent I'm just going to change it, accent, yeah. Or just, you know, I've lost my voice. Or yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I find that hard. But I do, the bit that I do like is uh, Sam's given me a very cool re-entrance. I like, I don't. Spoiler alert. <laughs> so when you were on that trolley, were you saying when I'm on the trolley? On trolley? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I'm on a trolley and I get wheeled in. No, with the corn wheels. Oh, 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 oh yeah. That's and a gun. And a gun. Corn and a gun. I never got one in a fellow. It's good. Corn. Anna, do you have any favourite? Or well, you obviously you're bored when Kate does this long. I'm piece just bored when Kate talks. <laughs> <laughs> just when Kate talks. Kate shuts up. It's better. I mean, I really, I can't help but really enjoy the blinding scene. Right. Uh, I think that's mostly why I, I took the part, I just really wanted to do that scene. <laughs> I do, I love it. I love it. It's, it's great. The, I, the audience really, <gasps> don't they? They're yeah. really, can you hear that reaction from the audience? Uh, sometimes on the second eye, we get a really good pop. Michael's very good at selling the whole deal and it pops sometimes. Yeah. Oh. And people go, oh! <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. Uh, Turn focus a little bit now. Um, down the centuries, there have been many attempts to rewrite King Lear to give it a happy ending. That's true. So happy ending. Would it have been better if Shakespeare had actually let goodness triumph over suffering and Cordelia marry Edgar yes. and go on to rule a reunited kingdom? No. Of course it was. <laughs> <laughs> no. Love a good marriage. No, because of the, the end. I it's love a, the ending. Of it's wonderful, yeah. isn't it? That the, the youth take on the apocalypse that has been left for them and they've got to live a long time and only one youth left standing. only one youth yeah so it's better the kind of total catharsis the total the total breakdown is is better it's more i don't know more yeah well you learn more don't you through i mean i, I one of the, my favorite lines i'm, I'm going to misquote it now is uh, is you learn you learn pity through your through the sorrows of your life you know that's when you edgar poor poor tom tom a cold tom a bedlam whoever he is <laughs> um poor tom <laughs> He says, you know, I learned pity through the sorrows of my life. And but we couldn't have four acts of, four and a half acts of sorrow and then just a little... And then a Morris dance. And then a Morris dance. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of hey nonny nonny at the yeah. end. No, it's no. 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 no, Olivia? I, no, I don't think so. No. I, do, I think those last lines of, of yeah. Edgar's, um, when he says, speak what we feel, not what we ought to say, mm. just wouldn't have the power that it holds if it didn't end with such awful, awful suffering yeah. beyond all and yeah Lear the howl howl oh yeah, yeah. it's just mm. so now this is a question that has preoccupied uh, scholars and playgoers down the centuries but I see no reason why we shouldn't provide a definitive answer here this afternoon um Anna. what is our eternal fascination with King Lear what what do we, what oh. does it teach us well my it's, it's like I, I think that's why I liked it when I was a teenager it's it's um it's about madness, isn't it? I think we're all, 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 I, I was always ex drawn to the frailties of the mind and where, right. that, where that was going, you know, could that happen to me? Because of your own mind. Of my own mind. <laughs> Age and the frailties of the mind, you know, it's what afflicts a lot of, uh, all of us at some yeah. point. And I think that's it's a very human study, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, yeah. I also think in a really practical way, sounds a bit cynical, but I think also the reason it's staged so much is because, of course, lots of, older actors want, want to, to triumph in Lear. Right. You know, it is a huge part. Yeah. It is a mountain to climb. Um, 
which Simon makes look mm. so effortless. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. <coughs> but of course, they all want to have a go. Well, look, there's so much here that I'm sure we could continue to talk about, but I'm afraid we're going to have to wrap things up now. All that remains for me to do is to thank you all very much for coming and, of course, to thank our guests, Kate Fleetwood, Anna Maxwell-Martin and Olivia Vinnell. Thanks very much. <laughs>